Thank you for joining the Strivers Movement. We focus on the households in North America, and that means Canada and the U.S. We know households better than everyone, and the focus that we have here is to make sure that the middle class does not disappear for those who are willing to put in the work and do their personal uh, budgeting. Uh, the first thing that we deal with uh, once you join the movement is to obviously welcome you, make sure you're feeling comfortable, uh, introduce you to some of the community spaces. But more than anything, we encourage you to, first of all, understand your money, understand your net worth, understand your credit positioning. The system as it is set up at this point in North America, it is based on a collateral system where wealth accumulates to assets. Assets are mostly acquired by putting down collateral and acquiring the rest of the difference from a financing institution of some kind. Needless to say, it cannot be emphasized enough how much being credit ready is important to accumulation of assets. Now, most people will say that uh, they are not great investors and they are not uh, good at investing or investing is not their thing. In this case, for every striver that is here, it does not matter if you're great at investment or you're not. It does matter, however, that you are willing to employ great financial prudence to the money that you currently make, allow yourself to get better with money, commit to lifelong learning to how to manage your money, understand that the financial industry has a lot of agents that will work with you, but on the other hand, they are working for themselves and for their bottom line. And as such, it is critical for you to inform yourself before you access any financial services. And this will protect you and this will protect your money from any potential bad actors that join you on your journey to a happy retirement. Now, this episode is going to address the three things you can expect when you're here. And we are going to give you a challenge at the end to make sure that you stay engaged and you are taking home an ability to get better on your own. If you look at this challenge and you end up having questions, you come back here, you send out a shout. We have all our contacts at the bottom of the page. Okay, so the first thing, there are only three things that a household needs to be completely aware of uh, for the potential of financial freedom to be realized. The first is income and expenses. While we are not breaking any new ground here, we know that it is critical, absolutely critical for you to understand your income and your expenses. Now, this is mostly uh, pushed to the side from people who say, well, 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 I know my income and I know my expenses. I get paid, rent gets taken out. And that is it. That is not a budget. Just because it is in your head, first of all, makes, makes it, it, it not be a budget. Second, you need to understand a little bit more about how you are getting paid. And this affects what your expenses are. I give an example of my friend Joe. There will be a lot of my friend Joes. I'm using this as an example. So don't fall in love with Joe yet. There's another one around the corner. My friend Joe makes 100000 He signed a contract for 100000 There are several ways he can get paid. He can get paid as a bi-weekly salary, in which case his salary is divided by about 26 months, 26 intervals. He can get paid uh, bi-monthly, which means his salary will be divided, which means his salary will be divided by 24 
equal increments, he could get paid monthly, which means he is going to get paid 12 times. However, he could also be getting paid through a corporation or an entity that holds the rights to his labor, and that Im improves how much taxation that he's getting. He could also be getting paid through a corporation, and that improves how much take-home that he gets because the taxes are different. This brings up the co concept of deductions. Deductions are very important because that is the difference between what we make and what we actually make. What we actually make is what we end up taking home. And that does not mean we can spend all we take home, but that is actually the number that we make. So for somebody making 100000 taxes will likely take up about 26000 We use the EY tax calculator to estimate this, so feel free to look up the resources in the link below to estimate what your taxes are. But in addition to taxes, you also pay into some insurances. Uh, in Canada, we use CPP and EI. The, those funds don't hit your account. They are taken out immediately as soon as uh, your uh, payment for work is processed. Now, if it, those are not taken out, taxes, CPP and EI, what you need to do is make sure that you're reserving the money for these deductions. You will not be exempt. You will just have a big tax owing at the end. That's just one example of how knowing your income and knowing what you're paying for makes a big difference. Those are not all the deductions. That's just a good example of how Joe makes 100000 but ends up taking about $70,000 home. So when he Joe is budgeting, you want to make sure that you, Joe, are budgeting and not getting past $70,000. Now, on the expenses side, there are some expenses that have to be uh, made. And these vary. Most people say, you know, rent is the biggest thing. But we actually contend that rent is not the biggest differentiator between who ends up having a good retirement and who ends up having uh, less than good retirement. While retirement is also not the key, uh, something called a savings rate is what we focus on here. So I want to uh, point out to some of the expenses that most people do not account for very well. S similar to your payments, uh, your expenses can be spread out in different intervals. Some expenses are monthly, which means every time you get paid bi-weekly, you have to figure out how much of that amount needs to go to the monthly fund. Some expenses are annual, like your fees for professional uh, professional designations. These also need to be allocated while you're budgeting bi-weekly. Some expenses are committed, so they are due no matter what happened. This includes car insurance, for example. If you have any car insurance contract, you are under contract to get those monies to them. Uh, yes, you can cancel, but it takes about three months, um, and these are not optional. So that brings us to optional versus non-optional expenses. Non-optional expenses include things that you can buy but choose not to, or you could choose to. Either way, they are in your control. There are others that are non-optional, like rent, like car note, like minimum payments on your loans, like repayments of your loans, like insurance uh, payments that are absolutely not optional. And these need to be budgeted to the actual sense to make sure that you understand fully how much of your money is committed into 
non-optional payments. And these non-optional payments also include subscriptions that you have signed up for. Unless you have canceled them, these are not optional. And this is where a majority of young people run into this trap, where you sign up for a free trial. The free trial expires 14 days after you sign up, but you continue using the service or you continue most of the times ignoring the service. However, these funds are due regardless. And once that free trial ends, this is one of your non-optional expenses. It is very important to run through all your bills monthly to figure out if there are some of these creeping non-optional things that you have signed up for that are weighing you down. When all that is calculated, you want to make sure that you understand what is left over. Now, there are several schools of thought on should you do this part before you even think about anything else. This is the paying yourself, hashtag pay yourself first, hashtag savings, hashtag investment, hashtag this and hashtag that. So it is very important to know how much you have available so that you can carve out savings. The ideal savings rate is up for debate. Nobody really knows. One thing you really need to keep in mind is that most advisors advise 15%. This is an arbitrary number. Some advisors advise 25%. That's also an arbitrary number. I advise 100% because everything you invest or save gets you that much closer to your retirement. You're only racing against yourself, so feel free to pick up the pace. All right, so now that we have reached this area where you know how much is available, say out of the 70000 50000 is committed to recurring funds, excuse me, recurring expenses. Now that 20, you have to decide between lifestyle and savings. And it's all lifestyle because it's either you spend it now or you spend it later. The key question is, how do you see yourself later? Because you can spend it all. And with the advent of credit cards, you can spend even more of tomorrow's money. The only question you have to ask yourself is, do you want better later? Now, most people cannot save 100% of that. And that is because you have to live. You have to, uh, other than buying groceries, paying rent, mortgages, and uh, car note, you might buy yourself uh, a a beverage here and there. You might get a beer. You might uh, go for a trip. This comes out of this remaining 20,000 for Joe. I don't know how much it is for you. We can help you calculate that. But once you know this, you establish an aggressive but attainable goal for savings. And these savings are where you're going to base your ability to retire from. From here, we can build out a plan on how you build up, um, what do you do with those savings. Um, the order that we go into is um, uh, emergency fund, maximizing matches and uh, tax advantages, uh, asset easing. This is something that you will not hear anywhere else, asset easing. Um, you know. So when that is done, the next thing you want to do is look at your net worth. Your net worth is how much you are worth. And this is not to be confused with self-worth. You, I'm sure you are loved by your loved ones. And even if you do not have loved ones telling you that you are worthwhile in this world, how much you have is different from whether you are worthwhile in this world. You add your light to humanity, which already is a special condition. So love yourself regardless of how much you earn. But when it comes to 
financial net worth, what you want to do is look at what you own. And in this case, um, it's, it gets a little bit more complicated the more assets you own, but mostly things that have value to the market, you can estimate market values for them. We do help with getting this number accurate and tracking it to make sure you're making progress. This is where you track where your progress is going. Uh, anyone else that tells you anything else about how you track financial progress is absolutely re leading you astray if they are not measuring your net worth. We have noticed that no one in the financial industry is interested in tracking net worth. But net worth is the most honest number you can give to a person. And I'll tell you how important it is. In my days as a financial advisor for businesses, they are business loans that the government gives to entrepreneurs that are starting out that we are well aware that they do not have the financial resources to take on full-blown bank loans. So the bank steps in and accepts a government guarantee of about 75% of the loan, um, or maybe sometimes when they're exports, even up to 90, and says, we will help the bank get comfortable with taking this client on. But at minimum, this client has to have 25% net worth. If you do not have that, you will not be able to qualify even for this government subsidized programs. And the asset that you could have obtained, maybe it's a McDonald's franchise, then slips away from your hands because even though you have high income, you do not focus on your net worth. So this is very, very key as a scorecard. And at Strivers, we measure progress by net worth. It does not matter what anything else does does not matter if you earn a million dollars. If your net worth is not increasing, you're not doing good. All right. Lastly, just to make sure that this is not an hour-long conversation, our financial goals. I know before uh, we even start, I have mentioned retirement before. Uh, retirement is where most Canadians and Americans agree that all the savings go towards. Now, at Strivers, we don't agree that retirement is the only reason why to do you should do your savings or you should make progress in your net worth. There are certain things like freedom of mobility uh, from your job or from the place that you live are improved by improved net worth and improved savings. Uh, there are other things that are freedom of expression or even safety and security are also improved by the net worth that you have. So we need to set other goals other than to have a good retirement. For people in their 30s, retirement might be 30 years from now. You cannot live under a singular goal for 30 years. While this is absolutely encouraged that you are aware of your retirement, we need to set short-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals. The main long-term goal, if you are Un unable to come up with one or unaware, just set retirement and we'll base the progress off of that. A medium term goal will be five to 10 years. Where would you like to be in five to 10 years? And this includes assets. What assets do you want to bring on? And please do not talk to me about wanting a Bentley. You can have your Bentley, but that's going to set you back uh, in your net worth progress. However, if your revenue has gone up so much so, or your business has gone up so much so that 
the Bentley is how you reward yourself out of the 20% that we we're talking about that is left over from all your bills and it does not affect your savings rate. Well, it sounds like you can buy a, rent, a Bentley guilt-free. For everybody else who cannot do that, that's myself included, please stay away from your Bentleys. If you want to feel that feeling, watch a music video or go rent one. I'm sure you can rent one for cheap. The photos won't tell anyone that it's not yours unless they know you. Yes, so set medium-term goals. What assets do you want to acquire? An asset should be giving you cash flow and appreciation. There are some cases where it can be argued that appreciation is sufficient. Appreciation is riskier than cash flow. So if you are in a position where you have to choose between getting cash flow or appreciation, I am more biased towards cash flow because appreciation can always be wiped away um, we have seen cases in Toronto where people invested in rental units and the correction comes in. Uh, they have been negative cash flow for the past three, four years and the appreciation has been decent until correction comes in and that appreciation is wiped away. And now they are not only behind on the asset, they are also in negative cash flow territory. So if you are acquiring an asset, you want to focus on the cash flow and appreciation. But in addition to that, you need short-term goals. And short-term goals can be focused around your own cash flow. How much of a raise do you want to attain this year? How much of um, uh, debt do you want to pay down this year? Do you have upscaling opportunities that will yield you more cash flow or more debt reduction? Those are the instances that we should look at short-term goals. And this can be one-year to five years. It's always great to pick a spot in the year to say this is going to be my goal setting spot. I recommend you pick your birthday or the new year or um, solstice, whichever way you want to do it. Pick one place that you are comfortable reminding yourself or being reminded to review your goals. And as soon as one of the goals is achieved, make sure that you are going back on the drawing board and setting another short-term goal. The journey is about progress, so you do not want to be in a position where you are not sure where your, your goals are. Now, I don't mean you should be uptight about the rest of life, but having a plan makes a big difference in your attitude and how you walk around knowing that you know exactly what you want compared to feeling that you're wandering, not really knowing uh, what you want. If you met, for example, somebody like a, a genie from another land that says, I'm going to make all your short-term goals come true, wouldn't it be so sad to say, I'm sorry, I don't have any short-term goals. Don't be that guy or that girl. So for today, I welcome you to the Strivers community. I am very happy and proud that this is going on. We are going to teach you everything you need to know about getting control of your money, taking advantage of what's available, and making financial progress through your net worth. There's not going to be any get-rich-quick schemes, uh, but you will be happy to know that most people that get to be millionaires in their retirement, they did it by just doing the right thing, over and over and over again, over a period of 20 plus years. Drivers, your challenge today 
is to go and find your credit score. Go and find your credit score. There are several institutions that provide your credit score quite easily and next week we'll discuss what to do with it. Thank you.